<laughs> Amen. Thank you for that. Let's open our Bibles, please, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, we're going to talk about something very, very important uh, this evening. Protection and safety from uh, all that is against us and would seek to bring us harm. And... Uh, you know, the Bible is such an amazing book when you compare Scripture with Scripture. Uh, you just couldn't make this up. It's so amazing and so deep. And uh, it's, it's really uh, hopefully interesting what I have for you tonight. Uh, let's look at Ephesians 6 and look at verse 10. And we're going to stand please to read God's Word. We'll read through verse 18. And we'll read these verses responsibly. Uh, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked." And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And we're going to stop there. And look back, please, at verse uh, 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And uh, tonight, tonight I want to speak to you on this subject, the spiked shield. The spiked shield. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd bless uh, the message. We yield your spirit. We pray that you would open our understanding. Uh, that we could see how this applies. We know the doctrine and we know the practical application. We pray that we would focus for this short time and study to show ourselves approved unto thee. We realize once again that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. And we need your help. We pray that you'd send help from heaven and protect your people. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Uh, This is more of a Bible study. I'm not sure how this will go. But I want to look at a a couple passages and draw these together and and show you some things. Basic principles of uh, protection. One of our basic needs, of course, is survival. That means the enemy is death. So anything that could come against us or even come from within us that would shorten our lifespan or damage our health 
or take us suddenly is something we must be very concerned about. Once again, we shouldn't live in fear. We should trust in the Lord. But we realize the inevitability of death because the wages of sin is death. But the enemy is death. So you want to live as long as you can to uh, serve the Lord and to please Him. But what is the reality of life? And it's amazing to me, a lot of people never came to this realization. But life is dangerous. It's what it is. Life is a conflict between a, a opposing wills and kingdoms and forces. Therefore, life is really war. God is called a man of war. That's the true God of the Bible. And the Lord of hosts, the armies of heaven. He is the Lord of the armies of heaven. So we have what's called the enemy, the devourer, the thief, the destroyer, the killer that comes to kill. This is the reality of life. We are told by Paul to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So the attack is inevitable. It's not like bull riding or riding a motorcycle if you'll get hurt. It's not if, it's when and how bad. You will get attacked by the devil and the enemy. I will get attacked by the devil and the enemy. So I want to look, first of all, we've been claiming this uh, for protection. I want you to look, please, to Psalm 91. And let's look how this compares and relates to Ephesians chapter 6. So if you please look at uh, Psalm 91, look at verse 5. Psalm 91, verse 5, it says, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. So there are two types of attacks that the enemy will bring upon us. The first one is invisible. You can't see it. It is spiritual, and it's in the dark. This is what is taught in both of these passages, uh, Psalm 91 and Ephesians 6. So it's invisible, internal, spiritual, in the dark. And when you look at this word, terror by night, this means a shrieking, shrilling alarm goes off that brings great dread and fear and strikes the heart. Now, this is the type of attack, you can't see it. It's spiritual. Comes inside, may come from within your own soul and spirit, but we need to be protected from this. It also mentions the pestilence that walketh in darkness. So this is the spoken plague when you look it up. A curse that has been spoken, that is unleashed, and brought upon the people. We're seeing this before our very eyes. A lot of people don't want to admit it. They don't understand it. We are seeing the pestilence that walketh in darkness. It's invisible. 
it's microscopic. Even if it is biological, it's microscopic. But it is dark spiritual warfare. The other type is visible. So the visible attacks of the enemy are brought in the light. These are more physical. And they are external. And they come more from long-range attacks. So the invisible darkness of the pestilence and the terror by night is close range, invisible, you can't detect it unless you have great spiritual discernment and perception. So the visible, this it says the arrow that flieth by day. This is the word piercer or a wound or a thunderbolt. Uh, this is almost like the Roman bolt that they would shoot with the crossbow. Very, very powerful. Very, very deadly. Very, very effective. The other term used is destruction that wasteth at noonday. So it's not at night. It's in the middle of the day. Not only that, high noon. When you feel the safest, this when this uh, attack will come, and this word means destruction, means to be cut off utterly, of, to bring ruin and certain death. So if you think about, there's some plants that if you cut them off at the ground, they'll just keep coming back because the roots did not die. This word destruction means the root system dies. Utter destruction. Now, if you like history, you travel, you can go to what's called ruins. There used to be a civilization, now it's a ghost town. There used to be great edifices. All that's left is the dilapidation. Something happened. Have you ever noticed, like, they don't know what happened to the Mayan peoples and the pyramids? They don't know what happened really to the people at Chaco Canyon. They really don't know what happened to the Egyptians at the pyramids. These are ruins. They were utterly cut off. This is what the devil wants to do to us. He wants to bring utter destruction. He doesn't want to just hurt us or inflict some damage or to slow us down. He wants our life and the church of God to become destruction. Now, I've always liked Deuteronomy chapter 4. And in verse 7 it talks about, you're to teach the Word of God to your children. Talk about it when thou liest down. You know, you tell them a bedtime story. Quote the Bible. And when thou risest up. So you ought to meditate on the Word while you're going to sleep. I try to go over you know, chapters in the Bible. I'll meditate upon it. Psalm 1, Psalm 8. Romans 6, whatever it is, Psalm 121, uh, and try to meditate upon it. And then when you rise up, because you have these opposing times of the day which depict spiritual levels, if you will, of darkness. High noon versus utter darkness at night. This pestilence which is invisible, which brings destruction, versus bolts or arrows or lances being thrown at you from a long distance, even in the brightness of the day. 
And that's why I always love Psalm 121, verse 6. The, the sun shall not smite thee by day, uh, nor the moon by night. When you rise up, he'll protect you. When you lie down, he'll protect you. When the sun comes up, he'll protect you. When the sun goes down, he will protect you. So you have these opposites, day versus night, light versus darkness, visible versus invisible, the physical versus the spiritual. And then you have these close range attacks. You know, if the bug gets in you, it's in you. Or long range launching weaponry to try to inflict damage. So we know all protection is from God. We know that. If He doesn't protect us, woe be unto us. Now the Bible says that the watchman watcheth but in vain. You know, you can stay up all night. Job said, that which I greatly feared has come upon me. So we have to do our part, but we depend on God. Uh, like we were taught at college, you work like it all depends on you, pray like it all depends on God. You, you, you have to do what you can to be responsible, but ultimately, the Lord has to do all the work. So all protection is from God. But he gives us two great responsibilities that we must fulfill so that we can claim Psalm 91 and so that we can experience standing in the day of evil, which we are told about in Ephesians chapter 6. So if you would, look at Psalm 91 and look at verse 1. It says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. And then it goes on to say the two types of attack, daytime, nighttime, invisible, invisible. So what is our first responsibility? We have to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. So when you get saved, you receive Christ as your Savior, you then have a responsibility to walk with Him, talk with Him, have a good prayer life, walk in the Word of God, and then be close to Him, live a separated life from the world, and it says dwell there. This is where you dwell. So this isn't a place you visit. You dwell there. This isn't a place you vacate every once in a while when you're having trouble and you say, I need to get close to God for a while. You can't claim Psalm 91 unless you dwell um, in the secret place of the Most High. And you abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This is a lifestyle. This is a way of walking and talking with God. And if you do this, what does it say will happen? So look down at verse 4. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings... Remember, Jesus said, How oft would I have gathered thee as a hen doth her chicks, 
And the little baby chicks get under the wings of the mother. She protects them. But look what it says. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. Now this is very important because the truth then becomes your shield. So we think about if you're in a battle and you're thinking incoming, how do I, or some guy's coming with you with a battle axe or a sword or some type of spear or haberdashery, and you're trying to block, it doesn't say we have to do the blocking. What we have to do is abide under the shadow of the Almighty, and it says the shield then will become, or is the evidence of the truth. So the truth will become the shield and the buckler. So the word shield is a target. You know, a big old round circular disc. You have the buckler, which is a very small shield. You've seen these, uh, the Spanish, all the Europeans use them. They would have a strap and tie it to, it was about this big, very small, used in very close combat, right? But then the buck, the shield was for longer range attacks, like arrows coming in, these types of things. But the shield then, usually we think of, it blocks the incoming projectile or the attack, or it can absorb the attack, or we can deflect it. That's basically what we think of as a shield. But when you study this word, it's very uh, interesting thing, is that it means a shield with spikes on it, with pricking out. If, if you've ever seen a shield that has the spikes coming out of it, so now the shield not only takes the blow or deflects the bow, you can use the shield as a weapon. You can actually strike the strike, if you will. Now, in Chinese Kung Fu, that's called Gong Li. You hit the hit. You strike the strike. You don't try to block a hit. You hit the hit. You attack the, the attack. So, um, and it means these spikes have barbs on them like a, flesh, uh, like a fish hook. What it means. If you've ever seen like a cactus and some of them have that barb on it and then some of them have a fish hook barb and then it's more difficult to pull out and it tears and it rips the flesh. But the true shield of God, it's not just something where we take a beating. You know, I always tell people, I'm not your punching bag. I can take it for a while. I try to absorb like cotton and but... You know, don't use me as your punching bag. But a lot of the devil's looking for somebody he can pick on and beat up. And even those people who have a shield, they don't realize the real shield of God has spikes on it. You attack the attack. So if we abide under the shadow of the Almighty, if we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, then the truth will become our shield. So the truth will do what? Make you free. You know, it's amazing that all these dangers out here and people want to stay away from the truth when the only protection we have is to get closer to the truth, get more truth in us. The truth's going to protect us. And then the truth will attack the enemy.
and the enemy can't handle it when they strike out if the shield strikes them. Happens all the time. So, you have the internal attack, the invisible, the one that's in the dark, the one that's in the light, the one close range attack, and then the one that's from far away. You know, in the Bible, just examples. One guy took a guy by his beard, slew him under the fifth rib, and his bile of his liver poured out, and he is disemboweled by one of his supposed friends and countrymen, fellow soldiers, close range. But then Ahab, the king, got shot by an arrow. They, there was a kink in his right here, went under his armpit. He died that way. So, you know, the devil's going to try anything he can. Long range, short. He knows some people can, can't defend long range attacks. And then some people can't handle very close range attacks. But what's the goal? Having done all, stand against the evil day. That's the goal. So now if you look over to, please, Ephesians 6, where we uh, read our text this evening. So let's look, begin, and let's read this looking in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, it didn't say put on part of the armor of God or one piece of the armor of God. You have to put on the whole armor of God. So that's why Paul tells that he lists all of the armor and the significance of each piece of the armor. And then it tells us who's the real enemy. So look at verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is the enemy. Now, you're going to have men, governments, people in power, but they are empowered by spiritual entities which we cannot see. Their spirits moving. You, anybody with any spirituality knows there are spirits moving. They are moving men to think a certain way, to do certain things, to impose their will on the wills of others. And so, what did Paul say the goal is? To stand. Not to fall down, not to trip, not to be pushed down, not to not get knocked down, but to keep on standing. That's the goal. And it's only going to happen if we put on the whole armor of God. So look what it says then in verse 13. Wherefore, Take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. Now, I want to reiterate this. Emphasize this. It didn't say so that you won't get attacked. It says when you do get attacked, you'll stand. Too many people are looking to run from a fight or avoid controversy. I talked to somebody recently and we were talking and he said, you know, this man 
he will avoid controversy at all costs. Even if he's doing wrong, he does not want to confront somebody if it's awkward. He'll just sweep it under the rug, and that's the problem. But in sweeping it under the rug, he's offending these people over here because he won't confront these people over here. And there's, you just got to deal with it. So it's not if you'll get attacked, when and how bad. You have to withstand the attack. Now, when it rains, it pours. You know, troubles come, relationship problems, difficulties. It might be financial difficulties, might be health problems. It might be temptation. It could be discouragement. All sorts of attacks that come. Close range, spiritual, invisible, in the dark. Long range, launching attacks. It broad daylight. But it's going to come. So, the onslaught is the evil day. Now remember, evil, the word basically means to inflict damage or to hurt someone with the evil intent. It could be any type of harm, any type of infliction on the people of God. So, what is the opposite of standing? Fall. Fall. Men fall on the battlefield. The Word of God falls by the wayside. Men fall into sin. Men fall as they are defeated in the battle. They're overwhelmed. Why? They did not put on the whole armor of God. So, it tells us what to do. You have to have your loins girt about with truth. Uh, now, if you've ever seen what is a true girdle, it's just a belt that supports your midsection, your kidneys. We call it a kidney belt, like a power lift, a weight lifter uses. You have to have, and this supports your entire torso. So if you have bad posture, you have a weak midsection. And, and if you want a good posture and a fortitude, you have to fortify and strengthen the belt map or the, the belt area, which is what? Gird your loins with what? The truth. The truth. Now, later on it talks about the two-edged sword is the Word of God, but the truth is understanding the application of the Word of God. And the only thing that's going to fortify you so that you can stand up is your loins have to be girt about. And, and most people, they go into battle and their loins are not girt about with truth. They have ideas, philosophies, the ways of this world, but they don't have truth. And only the truth is going to give you the power to stand. So you have from the waist down, from the waist up, but a real man, it says, quit ye like men, fight the good fight of faith, you have to stand up. There's so many things trying to make us fall. There's so many people hoping we'll fall. There are so many spiritual attacks, invisible, trying to make us fall. There are so many long-range, you know, they're hitting us from Washington, D.C., long-range attacks. <laughs> New York City, I, I heard a person say, every bad idea has come out of California or New York. We're in Texas. They're trying to make you fall in Texas by shooting at you from New York 
and Washington and Connecticut and Vermont and a few other places. They're shooting at us. Got to have your loins girt about with truth. Secondly, breastplate of righteousness. You have to have your vital organs covered. So what is the righteousness? Uh, we have imputed righteousness through Christ, through faith. God imputes to our record the righteousness of His Son. And so when you live right, combined with a positional standing in heaven of being justified by faith, you have your breastplate of righteousness. How many people, though, have a little chink in the armor because they're not living right? They believe right. They're justified by faith and have the righteousness of Christ. But there's, they're, they're like Ahab. You know, and, and a good warrior looks for weaknesses. You know, they know right there, right there, just above, you know that. And, and if you've ever studied like uh, medieval armor, they would have a dagger, they called it dirk. Because when they would get into these fights, the bodies were covered and they'd look for that one crack and they'd pull that dagger and just stick it in there. That's what the devil does. He's looking for somebody who didn't put on the breastplate of righteousness. How art the mighty fallen? What a sad question. Next, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. If you ever looked at Roman armor, the top of the foot and the instep uh, was covered with plated armor. Now, when they didn't have it on, they wore sandals. They're not going to go into battle without their feet shod because when you get in it, all the guy's got to do is see your got on your sandals, take the butt end of his lance and jab it in there or step on your instep and the battle's won. You have to have your feet shod. And what is it? With the preparation of the gospel of peace. What does that mean? You are a soul winner and you care about eternity and you try to win souls to Christ. You're in the ministry. You are in the work. You have a burden for souls. You have to have your feet shod. You have to care about people. You have to try to get the gospel out. If not, your feet aren't covered. And, you know, if you've ever played any sport, football or anything, they're just looking for some way for you to let your guard down. They attack the weak spot, not your strengths. You have to get your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And then it says, above all, above all, taking the shield of uh, faith, wherewith, where, there it is again, you, sh you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So, above all, what's the most important? Because it's not making an excuse, but you, the, the, the shield is mobile and adjustable. Let's say your helmet fell off. I don't know how it could. You're, it couldn't if you're saved. You know you're saved. The helmet of salvation. But let's say your breastplate fell off, whatever, in the battle. The shield of faith can be moved around to protect you when the enemy is trying to inflict damage. Now, this is the same word. Spikes on a target. Protruding weapons on the defensive 
round disc. And then it says, praying always with prayer and supplication. You have to pray. You have to keep praying. You have to have supplication. You have to have specific prayer requests. And then you have to have general prayer requests. And then you have to have the helmet of salvation. Now, what does that mean? You have to know you're saved. You have to be saved and know you're saved. And you have to have assurance of salvation so that you have the confidence when all these attacks come. Invisible, in the dark, spiritual, long range, broad daylight, whatever it is. You have to know that you're saved. You have to have the helmet of salvation on. And then he says, take this, the uh, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The old King James. Now, if this happens, you can stand. You know, when somebody asks you, how you been doing? Well, at least I'm still standing and I haven't quit and I'm smiling and I'm having fun whether you do or not and you're not going to affect me. And all these things that are happening and all these long-range attacks and all these uh, in-close in fighting attacks, what's the goal? It doesn't say to quit getting shot at. It said withstand. So you got the wherewithal, the armor and the shield and the sword, so when you get hit, you don't get knocked down. So first of all, we have to get our mind right. What is the right mindset? You will be attacked. You might get falsely accused. You might get hated without purpose. You might get tempted, it seems, beyond measure. You might get oppressed spiritually. Things may go wrong and you can't understand it. You might get pushed and backed into a corner and it seems like there's no way out. Physical, financial, spirit, all these things could happen. But if you accept the reality, this is a dangerous world. God is a man of war. He is the Lord of hosts. Only His truth will be our shield and buckler. We are commanded with the responsibility to put on the whole armor of God. And He said, you can withstand. Now, we see the same basic principle in Ephesians 6 as we saw in uh, Psalm 91. What is the first one? Look at verse 11, Ephesians 6. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What are the wiles of the devil? The deception, the trickery, the temptation the lies. This is the in-range close fighting in your own mind, in your own heart, with your own associates, that the devil comes out of the darkness, trying in the invisible spiritual realm of warfare to trick you and deceive you and to make you think something is right when it's wrong or to get you to do something when you're not supposed to do it. Or to change the way you think about something. The wiles of the devil. Now, this is the same thing as the pestilence that walketh in darkness. The same thing. And we have to have on the whole armor of God. If your head's not 
If you don't have the helmet of salvation, and you don't have the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet aren't shod with the prep, preparation of the gospel of peace, and you don't have above all the shield of faith, and praying with supplication, and the two-edged sword of the Word of God, you're not going to make it. You will get tricked in some way. You will get deceived in some way. The lie will begin to seem more true. And that which is wicked will not really seem that evil anymore. But when the truth becomes your shield, the truth protects you. So what do I have to do? Not try to defend myself. I have to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I have to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. God's truth will become my shield. Secondly, look at verse 16. It says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, this word dart is the same word for arrow, but it means a projectile uh, coming from long range, engines of war, uh, crossbow, longbow, throwing of a lance, a slingshot, whatever these things may be. So this is the long range attack. Uh, and what this does is, if they hit home, it has a fiery inflamed infliction. So when you study this word, it means you get inflamed with the evil spirit. Anger, mentioned specifically. Fear, lust, some type of comparison that causes low self-esteem. Something that starts to burn in you. Something that's out of your control like a wildfire that is a fiery dart. Now, you've all probably seen documentaries where in the old days, hand-to-hand -hand combat, you know, and they would say, we don't know who to kill. It's so close. And men would kill their own fellow soldiers if they didn't have on a distinctly different uniform. And then sometimes they would say, archers loose. And about, and they'd just come raining here and they'd all have to get down, put their shields up. And in China, they called it turtle formation where it looked like armor and they would all have the shields up and the arrows would come in. And then sometimes it was hand to hand. They try to ham hock people and, and cut their Achilles or find a chink in the armor and stab them with the dagger. Whatever the situation is, this is the reality of life. Now, what is our goal? Having done all to stand. Did it say you won't get punched in the face? No, you're going to get punched. Did it say you won't get shot at? No, you will get shot at. Did it say you will not get attacked? Did not say that. You will get attacked. It says you will be able, though, to withstand the attack. And I'm still standing. And that's the goal. And what are we standing against? The evil day. Now, the evil day is a broad term, and it's also a very specific, it could be an individual event when evil comes upon you. Something happened, you were attacked, 
It's not fair. You're minding your own business. But Jesus said, they, they don't hate you. They hate me in you. You're going to get attacked. So, the evil day. We could all get up and say, I'm, I had an evil day in my life. That was an evil day. And sometimes we like to smooth it over and say, well, all days are good. But the reality is some of them are evil. Bad things happen. That's what it means. So, you know, you get a piece of bad news, more bad news, more bad news, more attacks. Devil's looking for a chink in the armor. The devil's trying to find out, did you not put on the whole armor of God above all, the shield of faith? Now, uh, I'm through, but think about this. That shield has spikes. Now, I saw one time a piece of uh, Spanish horse armor. It was really amazing. It was beautiful. The whole head was covered with armor, and it almost looked like a unicorn. Right out of the forehead went this big old spike. And then I saw the shield that went with it. And it was a metal shield. It wasn't a buckler. It was a big shield. And in the middle had a spike and then these spikes all around it. And when that guy rode into battle, when he was attacked, his armor would attack back. When somebody hit him, his shield hit back. And his horse hit back. You know, uh, I'm through, but they say when the Apache Indians first came on the plains, this was like in the 1500s. The Comanches were still Shoshones up in Wyoming. And when they first got the horse, they said it was the most scary thing. They developed leather armor for their horses. And they'd come in with leather armor, and it was thick rawhide, and they were expert. They could just, they could unleash 20 arrows with loading one muzzleloader shot, and they just run over people. And you've probably seen the sign where they'd take the paint and put it on their horse. That means run over enemy, or I just ran you over. And, and their horses were uh, armor clad. It, it's really amazing. And you think of all the battles of history where armor played such an important key. The ones with the best armor usually won. Now, there are some exceptions. But what does the Bible say? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's the, the things we can see are moved upon and energized by invisible spirits. It's not if we'll get hit. It's when and how bad. And the good news is, you can stand. Stand. Uh, keep on standing. A just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. I think it's amazing how Psalm 91 and Psalm, or in Ephesians 6 correlate with the different types of battle. All right, let's bow our heads, please. Close our eyes. I want you to think about how this applies to your life.